Hey, this is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Oh, I love that we we read the scriptures here together before the message. Oh, wow. Who in here has a good imagination? Still, you still have one? You haven't like lost any, uh, any of it? I've lost a lot of mine. When I was growing up, I had a fantastic imagination. Uh, I believed that I was Superman. Uh, I, I mean, like for real, like I, I 100% believed I was Superman. Uh, when I would uh, go to school, I would wake up in the morning. This was, happened every single day. This was my routine. I'd wake up in the morning, I get out my blue tights, I put on my blue tights, I get out my red underwear and I put my red underwear outside my tights because that's how real men wear their underwear. And then I would put on my red socks up here to my calves right here. I put on my Superman shirt, put on my Superman cape. And then because I was getting ready to go to school in public, like obviously you can't be seen like that because then they would know, you know, your secret identity. So then I would put on my sweatpants, I put on my sweatshirt uh, and I'd go upstairs to go out to school. And every single day my mom would say, Brady, go take off your Superman clothes. And I'd say, what are you talking about? And she'd say, I, your cape is sticking out. I can tell you have Superman clothes on. Go take them off. And I'd be like, oh. So I'd stop downstairs. I'd go look in the mirror. And of course, my Superman cape's hanging out. So I'd stuff it in more. And then I'd walk upstairs and be like, all right, I'm ready to go. And say, Brady, it is bulging right here. Like, you, I mean, come on, come on, take it off. It's embarrassing. You're in high school for crying out loud. And so I would, I would go down the steps and then I would take off my cape, but I'd leave the rest on. And then I'd fold up my cape, put it in my backpack, and then I would go out to school. This happened every single day for, for years because I believed I was Superman. In fact, I remember one time my mom, one of my favorite uh, birthday gifts my mom ever gave me, uh, she had gotten a big refrigerator. And so she had a, the refrigerator box and she turned the refrigerator box into a phone booth because that was how Superman used to change. He would go find the nearest phone booth, he'd change his Superman clothes and then he'd go save the day. And so I remember, oh, I was so excited. She got me this. I came home from school. She was like, hey, look what I got. And, 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 and she had it and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm going into the phone booth. And in the phone booth, she had put Superman clothes in there because she didn't know that I had my Superman clothes already on underneath my school clothes. But I did, so I didn't even need them. And so I just took off my regular clothes and I went out and I fought crime in the streets. It was fantastic. That was me growing up. Great imagination. Now, one time though, my uncle, he told me, he said, hey, um, he said, you know, uh, if you eat Peter Pan peanut butter, you can fly. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was the thing I was lacking. And so I went and I got some Peter Pan peanut butter and I got my buddy uh, who was just as dumb as I was. And we went and we climbed up on this two-story building and we were, we were standing on the edge, capes flapping in the wind, just chugging Peter Pan peanut butter, getting ready to jump off to certain doom, I'm sure. And then someone walked by, saw us, coaxed us down uh, and, and we, we did never try. But like that, that was my childhood growing up. 
And I just tell you, I wanted to be able to do things like fly. I wanted to have superpowers. I wanted to be able to do great and impressive things because I would watch the Superman cartoons or the Justice League. I'd watch the Super Friends. I'd watch them do all the things that they could do. And I wanted to be able to do those impressive, fantastic, awesome things. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this. Uh, I hope not because I was an idiot. Uh, but I just, I, I, I wanted to do things that were great. Now, now I come to this passage in scripture. Now this is, I'm, we're gonna start with just a couple of verses that are different. And let me just tell you what it was like to read these for the first time. John 16, verse seven, it says this, Jesus is speaking and he's speaking to his disciples. He said this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. That is, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, I, I don't know what was the most shocking thing that Jesus ever said to the disciples? Because I wasn't there, I wasn't among them. But man, this had to rank up there. Jesus is looking at his disciples. And I don't know, do we need a little refresher course on his disciples? Right, you got Peter, who's like, like, like he's all in. He's either all in right or all in wrong. You never know what's going to happen. Or you got James and John who are trying to call down fire on these people who, you know, these poor Samaritans that didn't, you know, believe in Jesus yet. Uh, you've got Thomas who, even after Jesus rose from the grave, he struggled with faith. Like, like these, these guys. And Jesus says to them, you know, it's actually better that I go. If I was sitting there, I'd be thinking, now, wait a second, Jesus, I remember him healing that dude. I remember him casting out that demon. I remember him raising that girl from the dead. Oh, I remember him raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, what? What do, you mean, to my, to, what do you mean it's to my advantage that you go? Have you not been around with us the last three years? Like, Jesus, we're, we're the worst. How in the world could it possibly be an advantage for you to go? It's like, you know, when... LeBron left the Cavaliers for the first time. Hey, no, it's actually good for you guys that I go. Wait, we just went to the finals and now we're not gonna have a you know, winning season until you come back. Like, I, what do you mean it's to our advantage that you go? No, it's not. It's not, it is to our disadvantage that you go. Imagine Jesus being here, right, with us, doing all the things that he did and then saying, hey, oh, no, it's, I'm, I'm headed out, but it's cool. It's better that I do this. I don't know, I think this is one of the top, most shocking things Jesus ever said. It's your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's to our advantage that Jesus goes because we're going to get the helper, which we find out later is the Spirit of God, and that's going to be better. Now, earlier he said this, which this is still one of those things. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. You remember the stuff Jesus did, right? And then Jesus says to this, this, this ragamuffin band, this, just this crew of misfits, no, no, you will do greater things than I did. And Peter's like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it all along. I knew I was going to do greater things than you. And John's like, no, no, you can't even beat me to the tomb. Like, no, what, what's going on? Greater things than Jesus did. Have you ever thought about that? Greater things than Jesus did. Have you ever read the Gospels? You know the things Jesus did, right? He says, it's better that I go because if I go, you're going to get the helper and you're going to do greater things than I did. 
Now, from someone who, from birth, wanted to do fantastic, incredible, supernatural, awesome things, this was like amazing. I'm all into this. But what does this mean? What does this actually mean? How does this work out? And the passage of scripture we just read is, is Paul explaining to a church that was getting it all wrong, but was into these types of things, like doing the things that Jesus did, and he was trying to straighten them out, but he's talking about what the Spirit does inside of us, the helper. And here's what he says. He says, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is that, I was told the greatest denomination of Christians is the uninformed brethren. And, uh, and Paul right here is saying, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, he, he goes on, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 5. He says this. Now, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. What are some, what are some things that you notice in there? What, what is, what's a word that's repeated a lot in there? Varieties, yeah. What's another one? Someone said it. Same. So you've got varieties and you've got same. Varieties, same, varieties, same. Now, what do you have varieties of? Gifts. What else? What does what he say here? He said varieties of gifts, varieties of activities, varieties of services. Now, gifts, this, this means exactly what you think it means. Like, it's a gift. It's not something that I have earned, not something that I have cultivated, not something that I, it's just, it's just given, just, to, just I, like Christmas, man, just, just given to me. So, so that's one thing that, it's, that, that, that he's talking about. One aspect is that it is a gift. Secondly, activities. Uh, no, no, secondly, he says services. Now, here are some things that services that kind of encompass this word. It's like services rendered in an intermediary capacity. So if I can't be there, someone who's serving on my behalf, that's kind of one aspect of the word. Um, it's performing a, uh, some sort of service for a social event. It could be a public office. It could be rendering assistance, aid, or support. Or it could be some sort of administrative function. So we've got, some, you, we've got varieties of things that are given to us. And the next time he refers to these things that are given to us, these gifts, he calls them services, like a public office or doing something in place of someone who's not there. And then three, activities. These are activities that express a capability and one that impacts someone else. It expresses a capability that impacts someone else. So there's a bunch of difference of these things, like just varieties, right? It's just a smorgasbord of these kind of things. It's like you're going up to the buffet and there's loads of different stuff there, okay? But there's one, there's the same, there's one, what? 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 Spirit, one spirit. He says there's one, there's one, uh, the same spirit, there's the same Lord, and there's the same God, who empowers all of them in everyone. So you got a bunch of different things that are manifestations or, or are things that display or disclose 
the one who is empowering them, but there's only one person who's empowering them. So all of the gifts, all of the services, all of the activities that, that we do, that we've been given and empowered to do, it's all by and empowered by one Lord, Spirit, God. Now, it's really interesting. I mean, if you think about the church of Corinth, like they were practicing these gifts, which is really amazing. It's incredible that they were, by faith, practicing all of these gifts, but they were getting it wrong. And so Paul is really trying to help them see something. If you had to guess from this paragraph, what's Paul trying to get them to see? What? They're wrong. They're wrong. Yes. Um, But in what way? So if there's a bunch of different things, but there's only one God, like he's really trying to key in on that. Like there's one and we're going to see that there needs to be unity because the way that they were utilizing these gifts, it was causing division. Uh, He says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. I love this. I love this because what Paul is saying is I've been given a gift, but it's not for me. It's for you. And you've been given a gift, but it's not for you. It's for us, right? So like I have this incredible gift, this really good gift, this spirit-endowed, spirit-empowered gift, but it's no good to me. Isn't that incredible? It does me no good. My gift does me no good, but it does y'all great good. And you have a gift. It does you no good, but it does us great good, right? God has wired the gifts of the Spirit so that we'll need each other, right? Because my gift is incredible, but it's only incredible among us. It's not incredible on my own. And I'm an introvert. I like to be on my own. But it's incredible together to build up the body. He goes on. He says this in uh, verse 8. For one is given... Through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, and to another, the same Spirit, uh, according to the same Spirit, uh, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another, workings of miracles, prophecies, ability to sing speaking spirits, to another, varieties of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. These are all empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. What Paul is saying is there are different outworkings, but there's the same empowerer. There's a bunch of different outworkings of God's spirit, of the helper, a bunch of different ways that we can utilize the gifts that he has given us, the activities, the services, right? There's a number of different things. There's a variety of things, of ways that each one of us can bless the church, build up the body, encourage one another, but it's all empowered by the same person. And he does it individually as he wills. So I didn't, I didn't go up to the spiritual gifts buffet and be like, oh, I want a little, a little of prophecy. Oh, oh man, come on, give me some of that healing. Like, that's not what happened. God just, without my, um, without my knowledge, without my like asking for it, he just gave me something, right? It, he was a portion to me as he wills. It, it wasn't like he was like, hey, Brady, which, what, um, what are you thinking? Like, uh, I want hospitality, God. I didn't, but, but, and, I, and I don't have it. But 
like, it wasn't like that. It was just God said, I'm going to give you a gift. It's a good gift. It's empowered by my spirit and it's going to bless other people. And God, in his extravagant goodness, in his infinite wisdom, gave each follower of Jesus a gift that is good. And so when you're looking at your gift and you're thinking, oh, oh man, really? Mercy? I want mercy. Something better than that. It's like God in his goodness gave that to you. And Paul talks about this. He goes on. He says, well, okay, think about a body. Which, by the way, for, for all of us, man, that, that, that's, that's a weird thing to think about your own body. Like, I hate mirrors. Anyone else hate mirrors? They're the worst. Mirrors are the worst. I like the ones that are distorted so, like, I look better than I actually do. Those are great. Until you then look at another one that's, that, like, looks real and you're like, oh, man, dang it. I guess I have to start working out. First uh, Corinthians 12, verse 12, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, you know, it's almost like he keeps keying on, on the same one, unified one, same one, over and over. One body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. If there's, if there's anything Paul is trying to get across here, it's one, 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 same, 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 unity, unity, unity. And then he says this, he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, ah, if, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ears should say, oh, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. In his goodness, in his infinite wisdom, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, have been supernaturally endowed with a spiritual gift, and it's good. Your gift, whatever it is, it's good. And when you look around at other people's gifts, Paul is saying, don't make the mistake of thinking mine is not as good as yours. Mine is not as important as yours. Mine is not as necessary to the body as yours. No, no, no. You have a good gift and it is necessary for the body of believers, for the church to function fully as it was intended to function. You can't look around and be like, oh man, I wish I had that gift. I wish I could teach like Renault. I wish I could sing like Hannah and Zach and Emily. Like, I, I, I wish I had that gift. I, I look at my wife and I look at the way that she is gifted and oftentimes I'm like, oh man, I wish I could love people the way that she does. I wish, wish I could like, like make people feel how good she makes people feel. Like that's incredible. She looks so much like Jesus. And Paul is saying, hey, Brady, you have a gift and it matters and it's good it's important. In fact, it's necessary for your local church context to function in the fullest way that it can. And then he says this, flip side, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
indispensable. So now it's not just that I can't say, oh man, my gift isn't very good. But I also can't say your gift isn't as good as mine. Right? The perspective is, no, no, no. Your gift is amazing. My gift is amazing. Why? It's not me anyway. It was a gift that was given to me free of charge, right? It's empowered by God's spirit, not my spirit, not my ability, not my willpower, not my hard work. It's God's gift empowered by God. And so is yours. So you have a good gift and it is necessary to our body to function properly. If any one of us is not utilizing the gift that God has given us in the fullness of what God has given it to us for, then we are going to suffer. If you don't use your gift, I suffer. If I don't use my gift, you suffer. This is the way that Paul is describing the way that the helper who Jesus gave us so that it would be better that he left and we would do greater things that he did. This is the way that Paul describes it. Every single one of us has been empowered by God's spirit if we're a follower of Jesus and have been given a gift that blesses the body. It's for the common good. Paul says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, which man, can we just stand in awe of that for a second? I don't know how you feel about your reputation. But I'm guessing there are some people that you know that you would not want to represent you. Can, can, you, can you think of just a couple people that you would not want someone to think, oh, you're standing in place of Brady? You, oh, oh, you're here on behalf of Brady? Oh, you're representing Brady? Oh, Brady is closely connected to you. He, he, he actually approves you. Man, there's some people I'm like, I, I don't want you representing me because you will do a bad job. I'm sure we can all think of people we don't want associated with us. Don't want us want tarnishing our reputation, tarnishing our name. God takes the worst of the worst, me, and is delighted to have me represent him. What? What? We are the body of Christ. Jesus so badly wants his good news, his reputation spread out to the world. And he said, I want you to be the ones who display to the world what I'm actually like. The world is going to know me by y'all. We're the body of Jesus. Like the world is desperately wanting to know what's God actually like. And what Jesus said is, I'll show them, y'all. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administration in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The way that this is written in Greek is it's a rhetorical question that requires the answer no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. 
Do all work miracles? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Right? Meaning, if we want to get the fullness of all the gifts, we need everyone to participate. Because I can't do it all. I have not been given all the gifts. And he says this, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. So in the church of Corinth, the gifts were being utilized in a way that caused division. They were looking down upon certain gifts. They were elevating other gifts and saying, oh, these are, the, these are the important gifts. These are the impressive gifts. These are the gifts that shine a light on me, right? Make me look impressive. Make me feel impressive. And, you, and those gifts, those are not so good. Those are not so great. And Paul's trying to help them to know that, yeah, well, your, good, your gift is good because it's a gift given to you by God and empowered by God. It's not you. But their gift is just as good as yours is. And when you look at it that way, it builds up the body. So he says, desire the higher gifts. But then he says this, and I love it. I'm going to show you a more excellent way. There's an even more excellent way than desiring the higher gifts. You know what that more excellent way is? I'll tell you, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of humans and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Who plays the drums? And so close your ears right now. How many people know people that play the drums and, and got to experience the travesty of them learning? <laughs> a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Like, like when there's a, a drummer who's good, like they, they know how to util, utilize the cymbal, right? And, and it's nice. But when someone doesn't know what they're doing and they're just, just banging on the china and just, you're like, oh my. Paul says, here's the deal. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, which is a pretty incredible thing, who here knows more than one language? That's unbelievable. Like learning another language is very difficult. Becoming fluent in another language and then, and then going to that place where people speak that language and actually speaking their native language, how beautiful is that? If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, what I sound like is someone learning to play the drums and just going to town on the cymbals. That's what I sound like. That's what it sounds like coming out of my mouth. Then he says this, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I'm nothing. And if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul says, when you look at the gifts wrongly, when, 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 when you're looking at the gifts in such a way that's saying, hey, look at me and my gift. Look how impressive my teaching is. Look how impressive my prophecy is. Look how impressive my speaking in tongues is. Look how impressive my interpretation is. Look how impressive my hospitality is. Look how impressive my mercy is. Look how impressive my... He says, you sound like a noisy gong. You gain nothing. You gain nothing. I've wondered for a long time, why did Paul say earnestly desire the higher gifts? He goes on after this chapter and he starts talking about prophecy and why prophecy is super important. He says this, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophecy. For a long time, I wondered about why that is. And in 
1 Corinthians 14, he talks about prophecy and, and what it does and why it's beautiful. Is what prophecy does is it clearly articulates the gospel to someone. Whereas tongues, good gift given by the Spirit, right? Good gift. If, you, if you've got the gift of tongues, that is a good gift given to you by God's Spirit. But for someone else to understand what you're saying, you need someone else who has the gift of your interpretation to make that happen. And Paul says, the point is that people would see Jesus. Right? If you look back at what Jesus says about the Spirit, the Spirit uh, does a number of different things. But if you look at all of them, basically what the role is, is the Spirit shines a spotlight on Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God does. He shines a spotlight on Jesus. And Jesus is basically shining a spotlight on the Father. Right? But the Spirit of God shines a spotlight on Jesus. And what prophecy does is it shines a spotlight on Jesus, which all the gifts, when they're working together properly, are supposed to do. But I love the Spirit. Like, how humble the Spirit, that his only role is to shine a light on Jesus. Not shine a light on himself. Shine a light on Jesus. Now, it's a little complicated because he's God. Jesus is God. One God, three persons. It's a little confusing. But still, like the Spirit loves to display Jesus, to point to Jesus. And as we utilize our gifts, we do the same thing. Now, growing up, I wanted to do supernatural, impressive things. But looking back, what I realized is what I really wanted to do is I just wanted to matter. Whether it was wanting to be Superman or wanting to be an impressive basketball player, or wanting to be an impressive musician, or wanting to be an impressive teacher. Like I just wanted to matter. I wanted to be worthwhile. I wanted to do something that mattered. I remember when I was in college, I remember at one time I was sitting in my car and I was, I was parked up, there's this fence right here and, and I was parked here and I was just, I was just so frustrated because I wanted to matter and I wanted to do something that mattered. And I was yelling at God. I was like, just use me. I want to be used, just use me. And I just felt so useless. I had nothing that was worthwhile, nothing that could bless anybody, nothing that would be, and at the time, a little bit twisted in my brain, impressive. But here's what I've discovered. What I've realized is that I matter. I matter because I matter to God. Because I matter so much to God that he gave his life for me. You matter so much to God that he gave his life for you. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just give his life for us, which that would have been far more than we ever deserved. But then he gave us his spirit, his own spirit. And in the gift of his spirit, he gave us something, a gift that matters. A gift that matters so much that it can alter the balance of eternity for another person. That we, in the way that we display Jesus, display him so that other people can see him and spend eternity with him. Our gifts matter and they can echo into eternity. That's how much God loves us. I don't know if you're like me and you just want to matter. You just want to be valued. 
loved and accepted. Do something that matters. If that's you, there's good news. You matter. God died for you. And you matter that God gave you his spirit. For all followers of Jesus, he's given us his spirit and given us a gift that is useful in not only building up his church, but expanding his kingdom. Bringing people in to the fold. Changing their eternity. Why would God want to do that with me? I, I, I still have no idea. I still have no idea. But he does. And it blows my mind. You matter to God. And you matter to this church. Because if you don't use the gifts that God has given you, we suffer. We need you. We don't fully represent God in the way that he created us to image him if we're not all together using what he's given us to its fullest. When we all use our gifts for his glory, we display the unity of Jesus and more people get to see the bright light of what he is actually like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so, so much that you've given me a gift that matters and you've given each of us a gift that matters and that my gift is no better than anyone else's and their gift is no better than anyone else's. That, that they, they're all good and they're all important. They're all necessary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, thank you for giving us your life. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for giving us epic purpose. I pray that you'd help us to really grasp what you've done for us. I pray that you would release in us the ability to live out what you've empowered us to do, the good works that you've prepared for us beforehand so that your name is proclaimed, so that your glory is spread throughout the nations, so that every nation, every tribe, every tongue proclaims your glorious name. We need you. 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 And so we ask these things in the beautiful and powerful and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.